Before we get into today's episode, I've created a short questionnaire that will help me get to know you better. Those that fill out the questionnaire will get entered into a draw to win an Amazon gift card. So there's a link in the description for the episode. Click it, fill out the questionnaire, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Now for today's episode. This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I'm joined with Ryan Lee, who is essentially an OG marketer, more than two decades in, specializing in nano businesses and email marketing since before it was probably cool to do it. So Ryan, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mike. And, and by the way, I've always been cool. Um, you have, you have. Yeah, I, I like to set the trends. I, I I didn't even ask you this before we started recording. Are, can people see the video or they're just going to be able to hear us? It will just be audio, but I think you, for your for you, we'll make an exception. We'll probably do the. Uh, hey, the well. look at that! So if I do my crazy New York hand gestures, everyone will be able to see. Okay, oh, cool. there you go. Yeah. So um, what 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 is it about email marketing that you stuck with in a world where everyone's chasing what's viral and what's hot right now? You've mm-hmm. stuck with email marketing. Maybe we've done bits and pieces, but you stick with yeah. the thing that some people would say is tried and true. Yeah, well, the end of the day, um, you're, if you, most business models, the, the stuff that we teach, right? Whether it's you're selling digital products or, or e-commerce, and I've run both of those businesses or, or membership sites or coaching, really anything. If you're actually asking for a credit card, a majority of your sales still come through email. That's it. I mean, that forget emotion, forget how many followers you have or how many TikTok people or how many people watch or how many views. The end of the day, most of the sales still come through email. Um, now, are there exceptions? Yes. If you're talking, you know, the people with a hundred million, like the Kim Kardashians of the world, you know, they could do one, one Instagram and, and sell a million dollars of like makeup or, you know, yoga pants for the 99.9% of us. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Email is where, you know, and if you look at all of the stats and all the studies that have been done, it, it's, it shows anywhere from 70, 80, or even 90% of your sales come through email. And it's funny, I was, I get all the, you know, the Facebook ads and I'm always clicking on them and seeing and looking at back ends and, and funnels. And there's one company that says, oh, email's dead. Text is the future, you know, click here to learn more. And it says to get our free report, enter your email. And I thought that was ironic that they're saying we want to sell you on the I know they're going to sell something right they want we want yeah. to sell you on this text messaging thing texting is dead you know give me your email they didn't ask for the phone number which is like so they they know that the sales come through email and at the end of the day if you want to pay your bills you 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 got to make sales and a lot of the social stuff it's cool like i have 5000 followers i have 100000 followers that stuff's great uh but you can't pay your bills, which is followers, they tend to be vanity metrics. Now, again, exceptions are when you start getting millions and millions of followers and you could do brand deals uh, and you could say, hey, I'm sponsored by, you know, Apple or I'm sponsored by whoever. That's a different story. And and that that is that is a viable business model. It's just different than than most of the stuff that I teach or do. Um, so email still works and and people say, oh, Kids don't check email. The email's dead. I have four kids. They're all teens. They all have email accounts, and they all check their email every single day. Yes, they check Snapchat every five seconds uh, and texting 
but they still check their email. And it's now and for the foreseeable future, it's it's part of our lives. It's not going anywhere. What do you think it would take for people to move away from emails? Now, I naturally filter mine. I very rarely read ones I don't actually want to read. So there's an element of they have to be good. You know, the the subject has to be relevant to what I'm experiencing yeah. at the moment for me to open them. So there's an element of like barrier for quality, I guess you could say. But yeah. for people that are like, okay, I'm just going to move away and answer my emails at all. There's no point. There's so much more going on, that kind of thing. What's it going to take for people to actually leave email altogether? Well, I mean, there's, it's still such a, such a part of business, right? And, uh, it's something that you can receive and send emails no matter what service you use. doesn't matter if you use Gmail or AOL or if you're still rocking the Hotmail. Um, you could send within, right? But if, you're, if there's something like Slack or WhatsApp or something like that, both people need to use that platform. And you have to have 100% adoption rate, which I don't know if any one company is ever going to have 100% adoption rate. Unless there's some other technology that's invented that's completely universal. Um, I still don't think we're there yet with... Yet with everything tech through text. I mean, maybe down the road, but people don't want to all give up their their cell phone numbers and get 400 texts a day. I mean, that becomes a little bit cumbersome. So I don't know. I I can't predict the future. I, I just know what's working now and I don't see it going away anytime soon. So I don't know. I'm just going to keep going with it. It's working. Uh, but, uh, you know, that that's why when people talk about, when I talk about marketing, and social media marketing and being on on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, I still think you, you could still build followings and you can and you should build followings, but you still have to get them onto your email list because that's that's your asset, right? I've sold uh, four or five companies over the years. And with all of them, the e my email list, my customer list was like the most valuable asset. Uh, it's something where you could like send an email and make money uh, and as your customer list. So... Build your list. You you could still do. I'm not saying people think, oh, what are you saying? You shouldn't have social. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying engage with social, get new people. And there's different platforms for different things. Like YouTube is more discovery model, right? There's there's a lot of different things, but get them on your list because that is your asset. And at the end of the day, you don't own your followers on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. They could be taken away at any moment for any reason. They... I mean, the other day, it's, it's two weeks ago, um, my Facebook ad thing got shut down. I wasn't even running ads. Like I sold my my nutrition company three months ago. We're about to start ads for my other nutrition company. So we did, we're in the process of getting them. Actually, we just launched them 48 hours ago. But there was no ads running and they shut my account. And I thankfully, I have a Facebook rep. And I said, what happened? And they said, I don't know. I'll look into it. And I got it reinstated within the day. And they, they Facebook messaged me, says, we're so sorry. It was our mistake. But that's scary, right? That you can rely yeah. completely on one platform. And, and what they do is now social media platform, they, they own it and they can throttle. When I was first on Facebook, you know, I had my 50, 60,000 followers. I'd, I'd do a post and it would reach thousands of thousands of people. Now, you could have a following of 100,000 people. You do a post, you're lucky if 200 people see it, right? If you want it to be seen, you have to, quote, unquote, boost it or run an ad or, uh, you know, you got to pay to play a little bit. With email, you have to pay for a service, but it's pennies. I mean, fractions of a penny. 
Uh, so, yeah. Email. It's, it's similar email. to websites, isn't it, Ryan, where it's yours. You can't necessarily have it taken away from you. It's almost like an achievement, so to speak. You can't take achievements away from people. You can't take a website off anybody. You can't take an email list off anybody. It's your asset, your real estate, so to speak. No one yeah. can really touch it. It's it's you're, you're by far your most valuable asset. You could take away my website. I don't need a website. I don't need social media. If I had my list, I'm good. It, it's a seven figure business just with my list. Um, that's it. It's it's the only. It's the most valuable asset. And and so many marketers undervalue and underutilize. And I can't tell you, Mike, how many times I've I've done a coaching call with someone. I'll say, all right. So tell me, do you have a list? Yeah, I have like, well. I only, they say only, I only have 1800 people. I said, okay, 1800 people is a lot of people. If you're, if you're running a workshop and you have 1800 people in a hotel room, that's a lot of freaking people. I said, so it's a lot of people. I said, so when's the last time you emailed them? Oh, it's been months. I said, okay, so you don't have a list. And, and they're like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't want to sound too salesy. I don't want to bother them. Uh, a friend, friend of mine, so her years ago, she started a, a clothing company. Her fam- it's a family business. And she said, you know, what, we were talking about email. I said, do you email? She's like, no, I only email once a year. I email when we have our annual sale. I said, well, how does it do? She goes, oh my God, it makes like $50,000. I said, do you know you could make that like <laughs> every week with email? She's like, no, I don't want to bother them. But but they forget about you, right? Like yeah. we're in our business. We know about our business. We're in our business 24 hours a day, but most people aren't sitting around saying, you know what? What is Mike up to? What is Ryan doing? No one cares. Even my my wife and kids don't care what the hell I'm doing, let alone <laughs> let alone some strangers, you know, living on the other side of the world. My kids could care less what I'm, they just want to know, dad, are you bringing home dinner? Uh, yeah. So yeah. they're they're waking up worried about themselves, you know, their own health, their own money, their own relationships. They're not thinking, oh my God, what's Mike and Ryan doing today? So get over yourself and start communicating, start reaching out, stay, stay in front of them. It is crazy actually when people have these fears and insecurities that flare up once they start to get public or I suppose get remotely pushy because you do rely on sales and you do have to sell and you do have Mm -hmm. to, you know, convert i suppose is the technical term isn't it but when people start to worry about that start to worry about rubbing people up the wrong way i found that especially in this day and age you can never really do that they're so detached from content from emails from all kinds of things people go from one person to the next person to the next person and even with tiktok now there could be random strangers appearing on on TikTok mm-hmm. that you've never seen before around people that you follow. And it's like, there's nothing quite like it where you're just a needle in the world's biggest haystack. It's so hard yeah. to really break through these days. And it's almost like, is that an argument for doing more or less? Do you think? It's an argument for giving better. That's that. And I'm going to correct that. Not just giving better, delivering different right? Like that's what it's about. It's, it's not. And I think people mistake volume for quality. It's not volume. Like I don't, I I would never recommend you email your list every day, just a bunch of dribbling nonsense or just, you know, me content. Look at me and look at my ads and look how great I am and look at my car. No one cares. Uh, 
it it needs to be engaging. There needs to be some type of story. There you need to hook them in. You need to there's you could educate, but you should also entertain. Uh, there's only so many. If you're, a, I, I have a lot of health and fitness people on my list. There's only so many times people can open an email about, you know, the ten best ab exercises. It's just if you're if you're creating the same content they could find on a fitness magazine on the newsstand, then you're not doing your job, right? The 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 great thing about the internet, it's like the great equalizer. You can build these businesses, one person sitting home. I mean, I'm recording this from my basement. Uh, I, you know, I have this, this really successful company from home. Like, because you, you got to rely, like, use your strength and rely on your personality. Like, that is a way to differentiate. You, you and I can create an email that is the same, you know, same ab exercises, just sticking with that example. But the way we... But can we weave a different story? Can you tell a story? Can I tell a story? Can I make it a little bit different? Can I we, can I talk about how this was a client I worked with, that this was the day, or this is you know I went to the gym and saw this someone do this? Like, is there something you could do that could differentiate? Um, and a, a lot of it now is about that personal brand and your uniqueness. And instead of trying to be so safe and so vanilla and so blah. Lean into what makes you different. I mean, even with me, with my marketing, the the brand, the colors, it's bright, it's different than all the than most of the other marketers, people who teach marketing. It all looks the same. It's like a it's a it's like a blue website. They have their arms crossed. I teach you how to make money. Get my free PDF. You know, cheat sheet. It's the same crap. You know, um, whereas mine is just just feels really different. And I think people are scared to be bold. Uh, but be you, right? Like I love, even if, if anyone who's watching the video behind me, I've got like a poster of a live aid. I got my boom box. Like I'm leaning into kind of the fun retro gen X stuff. Cause I'm 50. I mean, this is my, it's my, my childhood, all that stuff. Uh, and I'm not afraid to use that and to just be me. So be you, right. And don't be scared to be you. And you're going to attract the people who are, who like that and you're going to repel the people who don't. And that's fine. You will not be everything to everybody. So infuse that into your email and be different. Be unique. Be you because there's only one you. There's same ab exercises, but there's only one you and they're going to stick around for you. I like how you've actually leaned into the retro element. It's almost like in a way people can guess things about you just by the way things look and the way things feel and it's just a way of communicating it without actually having to say the words isn't it that's kind of what a brand would be yeah like it's it's the thing people say about you when you're not in the room you know how would they describe you and to me a brand brand could be a scary intimidating word you know you start thinking of coca-cola or you know branding but Replace the word brand with the word vibe. That's really what it is. It's it's the feel, but you got to have consistency with it. And I think uh, a lot of people with in marketing or or trying to market their products and services online, they don't have a consistent like through line. Uh, one day it's this, the other day it's this. One day everything's bright and cheery, the next day it's depressing, and the next day it's retro, and the day after that is future. And it's they, people can't they can't grasp onto anything. They don't know how to define you, uh, and you're and people 
the, the content becomes a crutch and they rely so much on the, the nooks and crannies of the content, but there's no person, there's no soul. So uh, just be consistent with what you say and how you deliver it. And people will start to kind of get that vibe. They should, I mean, you should know right now what people would say about you. So I, I won't put you on the spot, Mike. Usually I'll put people on the spot. I won't put you on the spot. Uh, <laughs> but you know, everyone listening right now, all tens of millions of you listening right now to this, uh, what would people say about you, your company, your brand, if you're not in the room? You know, what are the two or three words they would use to describe you? And if you have no idea, then let's get to the place where you're consistent, where after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you're like, okay, they would definitely say this about me. Not only my vibe, but maybe even on the personal note. Like I, I talk about my family. I don't get too, too, you know, like, oh, my daughter and her boyfriend broke up. Like I would never, they would murder me. Uh, I would never do that stuff. But people know I have four kids. They know I've been married 20 something years. Uh, they know my age. They know the stuff I like. They know my hobbies. Uh, talk about that stuff, personalize it, give, give some, some texture to the stuff you're saying and, and uh, teaching. I think there's a lot to be said for an ability to build something for yourself as well. Like the idea of building a company, building a business from your home. We're in a world now where more and more people are wanting to do that. How do you think things have evolved over time? Because I'm seeing trends, I'm seeing things happen, but I don't have my finger on the pulse in the same way that you would, Ryan. So how have things developed over the past, let's just say, five or ten years? In, in terms of like what specifically? So maybe like the desire of growing like a side hustle around your job oh, well, or starting a business from yeah. home. So I think the biggest, the, look, the biggest shift is the low barrier to entry, right? I mean that years ago. So when I graduated uh, college or as you might say, university in uh, 1994, the internet was just kind of starting. Like most people didn't have email. They weren't really online. And I was looking to start a part-time publishing business and it was going to be a print newsletter. And I would have had to buy a list and do all the mailings. Like it was so, it was a, just to do a mailing test would have been thousand dollars, much different than now. <clears throat> you can set up a Facebook account or an Instagram account and start posting and start attracting people for free, right? And then you could have, if you want to sell stuff, you can just sign up with PayPal and start accepting money or Gumroad for free. They just take a percentage or a ClickBank. Like you could start with, so there's, it went from the barrier to entry to be thousands or tens of thousands or think about opening up a store <clears throat> or a restaurant, 50,000, a $500,000, a restaurant, a million dollars. Uh, you could start this stuff for no money. And even a website now, you can go to you can go to fiverr.com, you can get set up and do it for a hundred bucks, like a hundred dollars. You have your own site, you're in business. Uh, you can get a logo done for five dollars. Like it's it's crazy the stuff you can do. So people realize, okay, there's this opportunity to to do stuff without a lot of risk, right? No risk. But what has accelerated this movement in the past couple of years was was COVID, right? The worldwide lockdown where I'd been telling all my friends for tw 20 years, my friends, a lot of my friends are, I, I live in an area, it, it's called New Canaan, Connecticut. And most of my friends are hedge fund uh, investment bankers, 
private equity, they all commute into the city. And they were going in five days a week, six days a week, hour and a half each way. And they'd go there and they'd sit in their little their office all day and then come home. I said, well, why do you, you're on the phone all day. Why can't you just do that from home? Like, oh, you're, and now they're home like three, four days a week. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, hmm, what else can I do online? Uh, so it, COVID uh, has definitely sped things up as people realize, oh my God, I can actually do this from home and I'm not distracted and I actually, I enjoy it and I could go to my kids' games and I can coach and I could have more of a life. So low barrier to entry, being able to experiment uh, and people realize there's, there's so many ways to make money online. It's infinite. Uh, you just have to pick what you want to do. I mean, you name a thing and you can make money doing it. You could be an Amazon seller. You can go to local flea markets and thrift stores and flip things on on eBay uh, or whatever your local marketplace is. You could you know, sell digital products and books. You could do courses. You could do coaching. You could do e-commerce. You could do drop shipping e-commerce. You could open up a t-shirt store in, in 10 minutes. You could set up a Shopify account. You could have a drop ship clothing store that... People can, you can start taking orders and it will ship right to their house and you don't have to have any inventory. Well, I mean, it's crazy. So everyone could do it. But with that being said, because the barrier entry is so low, the competition has never been more, which, so it's like this double-edged sword, right? Everyone could get started. It's so much easier. Uh, well, it's it's more simple too, but how do you differentiate, right? Why are people going to listen to you? Why are they going to buy from you? Um, and how are they going to find you? Those are the those are the toughest parts. Like we're to the point now where creating is is pretty easy, but how do you do the other stuff? How do you actually make the money? So uh, that's why I still talk about email. It's like because that's how you make the money. But most you'd be shocked, Mike, how few people still email either email at all or email correctly. Um, my God. Uh, I it just, it's, it's mind boggling. And I'll, you know, people that have been on my list for years, for decades, and they know what I teach and they know what I say. And I keep saying the same thing over and over again, and they still don't do it. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have a site, sit there in front of your computer thinking, oh, they're not going to do it again, are they? I'm saying the same thing in a slightly different way, throwing my kids in there for dramatic effect. And they still just don't, just don't do it. Yeah, and 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 it can get it can get frustrating if you let it. Um, and I and, you know I don't I don't love that old phrase. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Uh, but you just have to. It that being online can be people don't talk about it as much. It can be, it can be draining too, um, especially a lot of the negativity. Uh, you know, when you're just trying to do 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 good things and do the right thing and people just trying to bring you down and they're just miserable. So they aren't happy when other people are happy. So they want you to be miserable with them. Uh, and all you have to do is run some Facebook ads and you'll see, Oh my God, you like with my last company, we were selling really amazing tasting nutritional greens. It had like 60 fruits and veggies. It was so good for you. It tastes so good. And it was a really affordable price. It was half the price of, of like, um, athletic greens, half and better. And people were like, what is this scam? Like scammer. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, look at our reviews, look at our stuff. And I'm like, what are you like? Uh, 
So it can be pretty depressing if you let it, but you just got to stay positive and focus on the people who get it and, and try to do your best to, to help and to serve. At the end of the day, that's what it is. I mean, the business, look, we, we want a business that's going to obviously help our lives, but hopefully you're doing something that lights you up and lights up your customers that makes them feel good and helps them not stupid, scammy, crappy crap that, you know, you're just extracting money and you're providing no value. Then there's, there's, I, I don't want to I don't want to help anyone who wants to do that. It's a weird double-edged sword, as you said, because the opportunity has gotten more. You could do almost anything that you want, which in a way is how they could describe the problem because they could do everything. They could do right. anything. They don't know how to, I don't know, decide between five things or three things or two things that they could do. But what about this thing over here? Or what about that? It's almost like a weird form of ADHD of opportunity and they just get really distracted and they never know which ones to really dive in on. That can almost get worse as the opportunity gets more and the barrier for entry gets down. That might actually get more so when more people yeah. have these ideas and it just gets worse. Yeah, it, it can, absolutely can get overwhelming. And what happens is you start you know, you discover this opportunity, right? You say, oh my God, okay, I can make money online. I'm in, let me figure it out. And you start getting on, then you start getting free downloads and checklists and cheat sheets. And all of a sudden you're on, before you know it, you're on 20 lists. That's good, but it's bad because now all of a sudden the sharks start, they, they smell, you know, the blood in the water. You're, you're the chum and man, they're going to hit you with offer after offer. Uh, some, everyone's different, right? There are some people who teach marketing who all they're going to do is hit you with a different offer every day because it's affiliate stuff. And like, buy this, make money on Amazon. No, buy this, make money on Craigslist. No, buy this and make money on this. Uh, so it's all this like constant distraction and it's overwhelming. Um, or, hey, let's get on the phone for a free call. And man, you're dead because they're going to sell you you know, the only way to make money <laughs> is with doing coaching. You got to, yeah. I'm going to coach you. All my clients go from zero to a hundred thousand a month. If not, I'll give you a full refund. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, it's only 10 K. So yeah, what you have to do is find someone with an actual track record before you spend money on anyone, me included. Uh, you know what? Here's a great idea. Freaking Google their name, Right. Look at their site. Look at the reviews. Look at their Facebook page. See if they, I have a hundred something, all five-star reviews from real people that not fake testimonies. These are actual real human beings. Look at that stuff. You could find the answers pretty quickly uh, before you invest a dollar in anyone. So you find someone you can trust or a few people you can trust. And then you pick one thing and you put your blinders on and you go. Uh, it, that, that's it. I mean, but it often starts with who is your customer, right? Who is the person that you're serving? Because you might think you have a quote unquote idea for something, but if you don't know who it's for, or you say it's for everyone, you're in trouble. You, you can't sell to everybody. It's, it's all about being as narrow, as niched, as specialized as possible. The more specialized you are, the better. Like you just, you have to. You can't, you, you, when I first started, I started in the late 90s online. Uh, my first site was all about training athletes and, and it was for strength coaches and it was every sport. 
Today, that would be a lot tougher to work. Now, it would it would not only be about. Well, do you, did you play any sports growing up, Mike? I actually played uh, basketball, but I also used to coach tennis. So okay. those two are my, my main sports. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say soccer or AKA football. <laughs> based, based on the accent, I'm like, that's going to be a no brainer or rugby or something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So now, if I was starting a sports training thing, I, I would say, okay, basketball, right? I, hi, I'm Mike, and I, I train basketball players. Uh, and I, I helped actually one of my clients recently, Lee Taft, told them, let's create a certification. So, but niche, like, can you niche within basketball, right? So you, you go from wide to I help athletes include improve performance to no, I train basketball players. But how do you narrow it? You could say I train female basketball players or I, tra- or I train male basketball players. So you could go either one of those buckets, right? Because Training a female athlete is a little bit different than training a male athlete, like especially stuff with with the knees, like the anatomy. I used to work in sports medicine. So there is there's a difference between boys and girls just anatomically and some of the training methods. So you could maybe say, I just train boy basketball players. I train girl basketball players or I train just college basketball players or I just train basketball players between eight and 12 or I train all basketball players, but I'm all about speed. And that's what we did with Lee. He was just, we created a a basketball speed uh, certification. So just speed training for basketball players. That's it. Like that's the wheelhouse. Maybe you're the agility trainer for basketball or the power person, or all you do is help basketball players improve their vertical jump. So you can see how just one thing, and I'm I'm trying to fix my, uh, my mic here, Uh, just one thing, you know, one sport, you see how deep, how deep we can go, right? Just, just that example. So you start there and then, okay, I'm going to be the basketball speed person. What can I do? What can I create? How could I differentiate? And then you start building out the business. You ever find that that is a big ask for some people, like they have a hard time narrowing it down enough in air quotes. Do you think people tend to land somewhere when you sort of go, but we really need to get a bit further here. We need to really narrow it down. And what are the biggest fears around that? Because I've got a couple that I can jump to, but what do you find happens most of the time? Yeah, they're scared. The number one thing, they're scared, scared of a few things. The number one is always, but I help, I can help more than that. And, you know, am I, and this phrase drives me crazy, am I leaving money on the table? Right. Um, so they're worried about, but it's, it's, you know, there's, but there's only X number of basketball players. There's, a, there's 10 million athletes. Aren't I leaving money on the table? I said, and then it's just a pure economics thing. Okay. So what's your financial goal? And they say, well, look, I want to build a home business and I want to make $250,000 a year. Okay. If the average person is spending with you, whatever. A hundred dollars, you know, how many people is that? And I don't know what that number is. Was it a couple thousand people, 2,500 people or something, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. 2,500 people. Okay. So you just need 2,500 people. How many basketball players are there in the world? And I, I have no idea what that number is off the top of my head, but who knows? Maybe it's a hundred thousand, maybe it's 500,000. I said, so you only need 2,500 out of the 500,000. Is that not enough for you? Like, can you not get that? Well, yeah, I can. It, well, well, when you say it like that, I had one guy who was who wanted to teach marketing, and he was from uh, 
He was from France. And I said, he's like, but I said, well, why don't you just teach it in French? There's such less competition. He goes, yeah, but there's not enough people. And I said, how many people speak French? And I forget what the number is, like 7 million or whatever. I said, that's not a big enough market for you? Like 7 million people? Well, when you put it like that. So everyone, <laughs> it's like, but when you try to speak to everyone, you speak to no one. So I, so that's the first thing is they get nervous about leaving money on the table, which is the biggest bunch of crap. Uh, you, the more specialized you are, you can also charge a higher price. So they forget about that as well. So that that's one fear. And the other fear is, well, I don't want to be put in that box, right? What if I get bored just teaching basketball players? You know, I want to do other things. And I say you can always start narrow and then gen then start to kind of open up and get a little bit more general as you go. And I've done that. I mean, I started my background is health and fitness and training. And that was my that's what I did online for years. And then I started teaching other fitness pros how to build their business. So I started to expand. And I then for years, I was just known as like the guy who taught fitness marketers. <clears throat> then I expanded to kind of more people who just want to do online businesses. So you could you can start to expand. And most people do. Um, unless you're saying, you know what? I'm really happy in my comfy, cozy corner. I make a you know quarter of a million a year. I got no stress. I speak at the big events. Everyone knows me. And they're happy. I had, I had a much bigger appetite. And there are times where I question if I made the right move, right? Like if I, maybe I went too general, you know, maybe I could have just stayed and had a really, really nice, super profitable business just in the fitness industry with a lot less stress. Cause I went through some, a couple of tough years as well. Um, but I say there's a lot of money to be made in the niches. You could stay there or you could slowly start to expand. But that's why when you choose a business name, be thoughtful about what it could be in the future, right? Be thoughtful about if you if you want to train basketball players, uh, maybe you have your brand just as your name, so you can kind of change a little bit. But if you call it basketballspeed.com, you're kind of hooked in, right? It's going to be yeah. tough to say, yeah, well, yeah. I also train baseball players. So you, you do have to think about that. Um, so if you're not sure if that's where you want to live and die, then use your name or use something a little bit more general uh, with the umbrella saying like, hey, I'm ultimate sports perform ultimate sports speed. And hey, I'm starting off with basketball. And then you could start to expand, which is why I like I still like personal brands. And I went back to mine You know, I was building other businesses and other names, other companies. But the minute I go back to personal brand, it just works better. It feels so much easier because it's just you. It's just being you i mean that's the name of your show right isn't it yeah 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 that's that's all my name and i i tried building it under different names and it got really hard because i i got bored quickly mm -hmm. so my show changed name like four times in five years and i just couldn't really narrow it down and i realized that it's easier to just fall back on the thing that doesn't necessarily need to change um yeah yeah, that, that was kind of my my reasoning behind it. I wonder what your opinion is on the whole nano aspect, which I know that you talk quite a bit about, is the, the nano business from home. How would you go about it if you wanted to start small, but then maybe add a second nano business rather than expanding one, adding a second one in instead? Yeah, so... In general, 
I would say don't. <laughs> um, unless, un, with, with the caveat, unless you hit a certain number, like whatever, and everyone's goal is different, but I would put it at like half a million to a million. Like I wouldn't even think of starting a second business till the first one does a million because it's right. it's one thing to build a business and especially if you want to do social media stuff, right? So imagine you've got a business for basketball speed and now you've got your website. You have at minimum, right? A Facebook and Instagram, maybe a YouTube, probably a LinkedIn. And you're, you're kind of marketing, you're doing all those different things. The minute you open up a second company, unless it's really closely related uh, and people think, like you have to think about how adjacent this market is. So sticking with basketball speed, they say, well, I'm teaching basketball speed. I'm going to open another company for soccer speed. The problem is there's no intersection between the two because the customers for basketball speed are into basketball. They're not necessarily buying tennis. I'm sorry, soccer. So you threw me off with the tennis. Um, will there be a couple? Maybe, but an overwhelming majority are not interested in that. So you have to rebuild an entirely new list. And now you've got two completely separate lists versus I'm doing basketball speed. They're basketball people. What else? What's another company? What's something that maybe they could be relate that they'd be interested in? So maybe it's a sports nutrition company, right? Which is, okay, the basketball players, they're into basketball performance. Sports nutrition is, is, is a natural thing. Or maybe this is, this is a basketball speed company and this is a basketball skills company. Very closely related. That's a different story. Although those, you can argue those can be product line extensions versus a completely new company. Um, and also tactically, do you want to set up a new corporation and new tax structures and a new bank account and a new merchant account? Like it, it, it increases the workload by a factor of like four or five. Not just it's not just double the amount of work. It's it's a lot more. And then what happens is if it's just you, if you're a one person show, your now your time is split in half. So all the traction you were getting in basketball is now cut in half because you're dividing half your time and attention in the other. But if you just put all your focus into the one thing, it would grow even better. The the best example I can give focus. And probably my most well-known successful student, his name's Jeff Cavalier. He has a company called Athlean X on YouTube. Uh, he has, as of this recording, has 13 million subscribers. And he spent $5,000 to spend the day with me years and years ago. And he said, I want to do this. I want to build this brand. I'm going to call it Athlean X. And I just want to go all in. That's it. I'm going to build the brand. I'm going to focus. And every day I'm going to do a new YouTube video. And he's done it for a decade. And he didn't create other companies, other brands, his, everything he did, his programs, his product line, everything was under athlete X and he's got like a really successful eight figure business from home. So there's something to be said about maniacal focus in, and, and most people we get so excited because, and if you're listening to this, there's a chance you have entrepreneurial ADD, like all of us, and you want to start a hundred things. And I, I suffer from it as well, but you know, if you have a site or a business and you're doing like, you know, 10 grand a year. And you've got like 18 YouTube subscribers and 300 people on Facebook. For you to start a second company and try to do both, it's it's insane. Um, I would not recommend it. Uh, so there's yeah, my two cents. Yeah, it's definitely like a you have to get to a certain level first before you even consider it. As you mentioned, that like your time gets split in half. If you can imagine taking a lot of work to grow this company and you're not quite 
I guess, autonomous enough, I suppose you could say. Like, it still takes a lot of time to to do what it is that you're doing. Yeah. The idea of adding to that, because you can't really afford to split it if you're still doing a lot of the things yourself. Right. It's so hard yeah. to to do that. Yeah, if you're doing it yourself, um, the only way it works is if you really truly want to build a portfolio of these small businesses. And then once one thing is up and running and you have a really good system, then you hire someone to run it. That's a, now it's a different story. Then you start to shift from running a business to owning a business, but then you become more management, right? Now you have to start managing people and some people don't want to do that. Uh, that's why business is very personal. I, I, I've done it and I've built a, f a bunch of companies and every time I have to manage people and do meetings, ugh, I just like doing my own thing, you know? Um, and that's me. That's how mm -hmm. I'm wired. Some people, the idea of having a business with a dozen or 50 employees excites them. That keeps me up at night. Then I feel like I'm responsible for other people and, oh, I, can I take a day off? Can I do this? I'm like, oh God, just go do it. <laughs> just leave me alone. Uh, that's why I like, I like building businesses that are, I call them nano businesses where you just get freelancers, right? You need graphics person. I have a graphic freelancer on a project by project basis, graphic by graphic. I have a tech person who, oh, I need this build. Okay. It's going to be 10 hours. Here's the bill. Good. And if I don't use the person for a week or a month, that's fine too. I don't have that bloat. And the bloat is what kills you, right? The office space, the staff, all of the stuff, all those expenses, it adds up. So you got to think what what are you suited for and what kind of business you really want to build? And this is the this is the real world stuff, Mike. This is the stuff that most people don't talk about because they don't actually build businesses. You know, most of my businesses have been in health and nutrition and fitness. So the the teaching marketing is like a really profitable hobby for me, but it's not my main source of income. So I, I talk about this stuff from like 24 years of battle scars, you know, a lot of, of learning and doing and seeing what works and what feels good and what doesn't and what doesn't feel good. And uh, I'm trying to help, help save you guys some time and effort and gut-wrenching stress. Oh, it's definitely gut-wrenching. Uh, the, the, the amount of decisions that I've had to, I guess, take back, which is a lot harder than it sounds, when you've got to commit to a certain way and then think, ah, that isn't really what I thought it would be like. And then I've had to find a way of taking a long road back to what I actually wanted to do. You mentioned yep. managing people. That's, that's hard because I don't really like telling people what to do mm -hmm. as much as I thought. So I first started <laughs> it and I just thought, I don't like the idea of bossing people around. It's just not, it's not really what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, oh. So yeah, it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to really commit because I was a big believer in, you know, just dive in, commit to it. Don't worry about some of the fears that you have to either sort themselves out or you'll then have to figure out how to, to get back. And it was a bit of a big decision to me at the time because I wanted to kind of grow something. And then I realized how much I hated how I was growing it. Like I thought mm. staff was the way versus systems or outsourcing some of it on a similar to yourself, a project by project basis makes it so yeah. much easier because you're not tied to them per se. Yeah. You haven't got to have a long-term commitment and it just made everything so much easier. Yeah. Mo so most of the it's time. Not about, it's not about the scale or the growth. It's about how you, you do it. Yeah. Mo most of the time we hire people too quickly. Right. Uh, we think, and especially like, God, you'll see <laughs> someone who has a brand new business, right? Brand new. 
haven't done a lick of business at all, no, no income. And the first thing they're asking about is how do I hire a VA to answer my emails? <laughs> like, are you like, dude, you got like one email a day. Like you're good. Uh, you can do it. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's crazy. Like I, I want to, I don't want to have to work all day. You're going to have to do some work. Like you're going to have to. And it's good at the beginning when you could learn all the different roles and, and get your hands dirty, get in the mud and see what it really takes. So you'll have a little bit more, uh, you'll have a much better sense of empathy too. When you hire people, like knowing what they're going through. Um, it's funny that you use the words boss people around. Like I never said, I, 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 I like having people a part of my team, but I like them as freelancers, as independents, where I don't feel responsible for all their stuff. Again, that's, I've been there. I've had full-time employees and just didn't work for me, but every, to each their own. Uh, I would say though, be really thoughtful if you're starting out like about hiring too quick, because even if it's only $2,000 a month, you have to make that revenue back. And in multiples, right? Because it's not like you just have to make 2000 back. There's expenses against the 2000 There's taxes, right? You probably have to make five or six or 8000 just to cover that too. So is this person going to generate another 8000 in revenue? If not, think twice. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And then depending on the size of your company, you may have pension contributions and a whole bunch right. of other stuff that might go into it as well that most people don't think about until it's too late. And then, oh, I've got all these commitments as well that doesn't really help, as in doesn't benefit the business more than just having them around, hopefully generating the income that you're then having to give them essentially. Um, yeah. which is it's one of those things where most small businesses, entrepreneurial lifestyle companies don't even get to that point. But as soon as you start hiring people as full-time employees, you've got certain laws and responsibilities and rules that you've got to adhere to. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even, I mean, you can run companies by yourself with no employees up to around like maybe 3 million a year. Uh, when you start getting past that, depending on the business, you, you usually then you have to start to bring on someone. Maybe it's customer support. Maybe it's a financial person. You know, maybe there's some other things you could could look at. But up to three million, you could pretty much run it by yourself with with just a few strategic freelancers. Again, a graphic designer, a tech person, an accountant, bookkeeper type person, part time. You know, a, a, even a part time VA, a few hours a week, maybe. So. You can, you can absolutely get by on, on that up to a few million a year. Now, I know you're probably sick of answering this question, but I figured as we're nearing the end, I thought I'd say, are there any things that make all the difference when it comes to sending emails, aside from making sure that your emails are good and you build some level of loyalty? Because I've got people that I'd open my emails that listen to this show mm -hmm. because I'm the one doing it so some people have this loyalty yeah. to the person which i think we could probably put that aside a little bit just because almost doesn't matter what you say in a way they're going to open it because they're loyal to you as a person right. so if we put that aside a second <laughs> what do people get wrong about emails what are some of the best practices help some people out with emails number one well we said it earlier make it engaging put some kind of story uh, number two, always have a takeaway. 
Like there's gotta be, especially if you're in the helping space, whether it's teaching business, whether teaching health, whether it's teaching hobbies, like you, you're, you're kind of a how-to person, give them something that they can take away. Don't just make it a story with nothing usable because then it feels really empty. And then after a while, like, all right, Mike, you're great. You have a great, but, but who, how's that going to help me? So give them something, even if it's like, Hey, today do this or today do that. Uh, and I'd say probably the most important thing is consistency is making email your priority. The very first thing I do before opening my email before checking social media, the very first thing I do is write my email. That's it. So get in the habit of doing that. It shouldn't come later in the day after you take care of your other stupid tasks because that's this is the most important thing. This is what pays the bills. So that's I would say that's the first thing. And maybe you have a full-time job and you do this when you get home from work and that's what your work time, then do that first, right? Whatever your the first, the beginning of your, your quote unquote like side hustle day is, the very first task you should do is email. And that's the most important thing. And it's, it becomes a habit. And the, the more email you write, the better you become. That's it. And, and think about, you, you mentioned before, people will open it because it's you. You want to get to the point where they open it regardless of the subject line. And you do that by writing as if you're writing to a friend. Stop using million dollar words and you know trying to show the world how smart you are. Just be a real human being and write to them like you're sitting down with them at the coffee shop or the bar with the pub, right? Whatever. Uh, just conversation and like you're speaking to one person. So that stuff's going to get you pretty far. How about things like growing email lists? Now things have changed over the decades. I've seen it change. I'm sure you've been a part of that change in a way, Ryan, but how can people grow email lists? Now there are people out there that say, oh, I just ask for them and they send them me and everything is great. But a lot of people tend to have mixed views on, on how to grow email lists. Every time I research it, every time I'm sure listeners research it, you could do anything, which is similar to what we said before, because you can do everything and anything. That's where the struggle tends to be. So how yeah. do you make your decisions about what you do to grow email lists? Well, it starts with a really good offer, like something that's going to get people to give the email, right? So that, that's the number one thing it starts with. You could have a traffic list building strategy and pay for ads, but if your offer is not really good, then it's then there's no point. So that's number one. And number two is where is your audience, right? Do things that get you in front of your audience. Right now, I'm doing that, right? I am on your show. You have an audience. You're, I'm kind of you're lending me the credibility because you brought me on and I'm going to mention my site, ryanlee.com. There's my first plug, R-Y-A-N-L-E-E.club.com. Dot club, I can't even speak. Dot com. And uh, I have a free, I have a free newsletter and that's, that's my, cause my thing is cause I, I have all these testimonials and it's like people want to get my newsletter. I don't even have to bribe them, but I'm going to get, depending how many listeners I might get a few dozen, I might get a few hundred people that join my list because of this. And it just cost me my time. It didn't cost me anything. That's one of the best ways. Like, where's your audience? Are they in a Facebook group? If so, get in there and contribute. And people are going to click on your link in your bio and sign up. Like, um, what's your platform? Are you a YouTuber? Are you um, 
doing more Instagram stuff. Just keep getting them. Just ask them like, hey, join my list. I mean, get on other people's podcasts, get, write articles for other things. But if you're if you're like, okay, what's the 100% proven way? Then I would say do a paid a paid advertising thing, right? So Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, <clears throat> sending people to your landing page to build a list. But easier said than done because it's going to cost you a few dollars a lead up to, depending on the market, it could be $3 a lead, it could be $10 a lead. So if you don't have good business on the back end of it, if you don't have offers, if you don't have offers that convert, if you don't have something to sell, you're going to be losing tens, hundreds, or thousands of dollars a day. So that's why I don't always recommend people start off with paid advertising because you don't know. Like you don't know what you're going to sell. And, and I don't want to see people spending $5 on a lead, never emailing them and, and losing a fortune. So uh, I would say at the beginning, at least try the free strategies, get them on your list and start emailing, start getting in the rhythm, but get where they are. And, and this is being a guest on a podcast is a great way to get in front of hundreds or thousands of your potential great audience for free and relationship. I mean, you listen, everyone right now listening to this has been with me for an hour, right? So either you're engaged and you like it and you're like, all right, I like this guy, Ryan, I'm going to go join his list or you're not, but some of you will. And again, it didn't, it didn't cost me anything. It's just time. And I love talking about this stuff. So, you know, even if that's your main list building strategy is being a podcast guest, go for it. I think that's that's also important to mention as well because some things do cost time, some things do cost money, and there's nothing quite like, in my experience anyway, adding a paid strategy to a free strategy that already works. It's almost like getting yeah. on a moving ship almost. You haven't got to get it moving by paying. You can get it moving for free and then see where, because you know the offer works, as you said, you know the the thing that you give people for their email list, email list, email address might also work. And it all kind of goes from there rather than starting with nothing and going for the pay strategy first. Yeah. I like, I like both too. I like a, a more holistic uh, traffic strategy where you do free and you do the paid, but the reality is most people aren't ready for the paid stuff. Uh, especially when very just starting and you don't, if you don't have anything to sell, then don't do paid. Unless you're willing to lose money, unless you're unless you're you already have money, and you're like, look, I'll spend a couple thousand a month. I don't care. I'll take my time. I have money to invest. Different story. But if you're you want to kind of bootstrap it, then paid is going to be you have to have some products or something to sell. So we've got RyanLee.com. I'm assuming you're on social media as well, Ryan. So it's been great to have you on. How can people find you online aside from the website which you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, look, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say get on my list. I mean, from there, I could send you everywhere. Right. You could follow me on Facebook, Ryan at Ryan Lee, D O T C O M, Ryan Lee.com. Find me on Instagram. I started tweeting. I'm actually going to start doing more YouTube this year. That's, that's my goal. Like, I'm going to go in and, and kind of really play. I want to figure that out. Uh, but get on my list. I could social stuff. Who cares? You'll, fi <laughs> you'll find me later. I, I'll, I'll send you there, but I don't need to follow who doesn't see my stuff. Let's, let's connect. Just go to Ryan Lee.com, get on my list, and I promise you're going to love it. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. 
if you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and they get the help and support from me and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle. So you set your membership up, you get two months free access. Hopefully I'll see you there and I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.